in the game what's up everybody and welcome to the in the game podcast i am your host jordan stacks on stacks on stacks lats thank y'all for joining me man got a special show on deck for today got my man t winnich from the Yiro step podcast we're gonna talk some bucks basketball um, and kind of how that season's been going up and down. If you're a Bucks fan, definitely want to stay tuned for that. Or if you're just a Hoops fan, you definitely want to stay tuned for that. But the very first thing we need to talk about is this news with Brian Flores. It's definitely the biggest topic of the week. So we got to hit on it. So if you are living under a rock or you just, you know, haven't heard i don't know how you haven't though if if you haven't been living under rock but this week uh news broke that brian flores is suing the nfl the new york giants the miami dolphins and the denver broncos for unfair practices basically saying that it's racial inequality um i'm not sure how it pertains to the dolphins per se because his uh you know what what he's saying against the dolphins is that he was uh, basically not necessarily treated unfairly but he was offered a hundred thousand dollars per loss by Stephen Ross the Miami Dolphins owner and that Stephen Ross asked him to tamper with another team's quarterback that being Tom Brady when he was on the New England Patriots uh, so I mean some some fascinating stuff going on and you know, if if you're new to the NFL and the way they operate, when you hire a head coach, you have to interview three minority coaches before you make a decision on hiring. Now, you know, you can have an opinion on the Rooney rule. You know, I definitely think that there needs to be adjustment because, for example, you know, the New York Giants go off and they hire Brian Dable. Now, Brian Dable was one of the hottest coaches in in available right so i have no i have no problem with the new york giants hiring brian dable if that's their guy sure go ahead and hire him but what i do have an issue with is that the new york giants hired brian dable and then wanted to interview brian flores just to cover their asses on the rooney rule so the best evidence that Brian Flores has, which is text messages that leaked from Bill Belichick, basically congratulating Brian Flores on getting the job. And then he says, oh, wait, wrong, Brian. And this is before Brian Flores even interviewed for the Miami Dolphins position. So that right there is definitely a major red flag and a huge issue for the NFL. The other thing, the other part of this story that is very big is the fact that allegedly Brian Flores was offered $100,000 to lose games per game. Um, And this is the year they drafted Tua. So he was paid $100,000 to draft Tua. (laughs) Now, I think they wanted to get the number one pick. Obviously, they didn't end up getting it. Uh, You know, Cincinnati took Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's taking Cincinnati to the Super Bowl. You know, that's all she wrote there, but... This is interesting to me because as a sports better and as sports gambling becomes legalized across the country, state after state, it's starting to roll out. You know, this is a major integrity issue for the league. And this is something that, you know, I don't know if Brian Flores has proof 
of this. I don't know if it's in text messages. You know, this is something we're going to find out as it gets to the litigation process. But if he does have proof that Stephen Ross is, is uh, you know, offering him $100,000 per loss to lose games, that's a serious issue that the league is going to have to address. Now, Stephen Ross, if this is true, they will definitely force Stephen Ross to sell the Miami Dolphins. At this point, you know, he's likely, they're going to likely have him, you know, step out of the spotlight, I, I would figure at least. Um... Because you you just can't have these things, especially with what's going on with the with the sports gambling. So it's a lot of interesting stuff that's going to be going on with this story. Now, <clears throat> we come back to the the racism thing, and you know this goes back to Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, being blackballed out of the league in the league. Um, the league settling out of court. This also has big issues with uh, the John Gruden thing. Cause you know, the NFL was investigating the Washington football team. And during that investigation, these emails come up from John Gruden yet. They refuse to show any other emails. And you know, my theory, and again, there's no proof to this. It's just a theory has always been that the NFL leaked those emails from John Gruden to hide something deeper with the Washington football team. And I think what was deeper was stuff connected to Colin Kaepernick, because if, if they are communicating via email from team to team saying, Hey, do not sign this guy, keep him out of the league. That would cause huge issues for the NFL. And now with the, uh, Brian Flores lawsuit, you know, some of these issues, some of these emails, some of these, you know, things might get dug up again. And this could cause a major issue for the NFL. And let's be honest, it's an issue that needs to be fixed. I, I don't mind having to interview three minorities before you hire your guy. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to a job, you know, if you're a boss at, you know, your business, let's say you sell uh, construction tools, right? And you want to hire a guy for your, you know, regional sales manager position, you know, you basically have a guy in mind, you have your guy, you know, you go from company to company, you bring your people that have made you successful with you. So I get that. But in a league that is a majority black, and we have right now, we only have what one black head coach, and that's Mike Tomlin. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And why aren't these, you know, why aren't these people of color getting these opportunities as head coaches like uh, Adam Gase, for example, was hired twice, you know, didn't do that great of a job with Miami, did an absolutely terrible job with the Jets. I doubt he'll ever get another job. But, you know, he did get that Jets job right after. And Brian Flores, when he was fired from Miami, you know, we said it on APR, he was definitely the best coach available until Sean Payton, you know, resigned. But obviously, Sean Payton isn't looking to coach this year. But Brian Flores should be on everybody's shortlist for head coaches. You know, he alleges that he goes into the Broncos interview and John Elway and company are hungover from the night before. 
and they're an hour late. John Elway came out today saying that they came off a red-eye flight and it was a very thorough interview and they have notes and everything. Now, I, I definitely think it's going to be hard for him to prove, you know, what he's alleging from the Broncos, at least that they're drunk because it's all he said, she said. There's no way to prove that in a court of law. So it's you're just picking sides at that point. And I think that that's not fair to either party, really. Um, but, you know, the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett. And obviously, there's been a lot of rumors that the Broncos intend to pursue Aaron Rodgers if he is, uh, if they can. And obviously, you know, Nathaniel Hackett was Aaron Rodgers' quarterback coach. So it only makes sense of why they would hire Nathaniel Hackett. But, you know, did they bring in Brian Flores just to cover the Rooney rule? You know, that's an issue if that is the truth. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, when he got the Miami job, they they interviewed him because of the Rooney rule, and be, he interviewed so well that he got the job. Yeah, that's great. You know, that was three years ago. The guy, the guy's resume is tremendous, um, and now he's supposedly a finalist, according to Pro Football Network. He's a, a top three finalist for the Texans' job, and against the other two guys that he's going up with, he definitely has the better resume. So if he doesn't get that job, then we really have an issue going on here i just think that it's imperative for the league to to offer these equal opportunities for for not only head coaches but general managers executives scouts etc and you know we have seen an uptick in minorities being uh given being hired or promoted to these executive jobs and you know, many people have pointed out time and time again this week that Brian Flores was fired by a front office, which is all basically African-American. And I think that I don't think he's alleging in the lawsuit that Miami fired him due to due to his skin color. I don't think that was the issue. I think what he is saying with Miami is that, hey, I wasn't given a fair opportunity Steven Rossi owner asked me to lose games. I said no. He asked me to uh, tamper with another team's quarterback. I said no. And because of that, I was working uphill basically the entire time he was there. And then all these rumors come out that, oh, well, Brian Flores is difficult to work with. Brian Flores this. Brian Flores that. I mean, the guy won, <laughs> the guy won eight games in a row this year. He took a team that looked like they were dead in the water. And made him respectable. And I think that's commendable. I think he's a great head coach. He's definitely something that I would want. I, I don't know if the Saints have interviewed him. But if I was the New Orleans Saints, I would even interview the guy. Um, but at this point, like, there's not that many jobs, if I was him, that I would want. Like, I don't know why he would want that Texans job, first of all. And with the Giants, like, I don't know why he would want the Giants job other than being in New York. I mean, the Giants job is a fucking mess right now. That's a different story, but it's just, it's it's crazy what is going on right now with this. And, and I do hope that something comes of this for the NFL, that something gets fixed and we can actually have fair practices in the league because I don't think there are fair practices. I mean, look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin hasn't had a losing season since he's been a head coach and every year there's rumors of him going to get fired. I mean, what does this guy got to do? Brian Flores was a 
great. And look at what happened. He got fired for basically no reason. Jim Caldwell, three out of four seasons, winning season, winning in uh, Detroit, hasn't been able to get a job since. I mean, at some point, we have to look in the mirror and admit what is really going on. I'm going to take a break real quick. We're going to hop right back in. I'm going to be joined by my boy T. And uh, we got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about with the Bucks. Um, they've had a really rocky season up and down, but are only two games out of first out of the first seed in the East right now. So excited to get him on. He's also a big Saints fan, so I want to ask him some questions about his Saints and Sean Payton. So stay locked. We'll be right back. It's NFL season, and that means it's time to gamble on football. Don't worry about spending endless nights researching games. We've got you covered. I'm Big Ball and Ben Larson. And I'm Jordan Stacks on Stacks on Stacks, lads. And I'm Steady, Eddie Martin, and we are the APR Podcast. Join us every Thursday morning as we dive in and handicap every game of the upcoming week. Impress your friends and family with your newfound knowledge of NFL football. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you all there. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Welcome back to In The Game. I am joined by a very special guest, someone that I've followed on Twitter, a great follow on Twitter, by the way. If you uh, are into Bucks basketball or even basketball in general, definitely a guy that you need to follow. Um, my guy, Ty Winnish from Yairo Step Podcast. Brother, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to talk a little bit of Bucks basketball with you. Hell yeah, man. We love our Bucks coming off a, a championship season, and it's pretty incredible because I feel like if they didn't win that title last year, we'd kind of be freaking out a lot about this season. But since they did win the title, we're, we've, yeah. we've seen what they can obviously do. So I think we're a little bit more uh, level-headed this year where it's like, okay, we're not playing good basketball, but we know what we're capable of doing. And I think a big part of that, and I, you mentioned it on Twitter the other day too, is uh, Brooke Lopez, you know, the absence of Brooke Lopez. Like, how do you think that Brooke's absence has played a role in kind of the roller coaster ride this season? Yeah, I think it, it may be the, the main ingredient in that. I mean, there's obviously, there's been a lot of guys in and out of the lineup outside of Brooke too, that, that doesn't help. But I think you just look at the Bucks and just how thin they are at, the I guess big man position no matter if you want to call guys fours or fives I mean Giannis clearly can play the five but does not provide some of the you know consistent night-to-night -night drop defense the Bucks just don't ask him to do that that Brooke does and also I think Brooke you know Giannis is always puts up crazy rebound numbers but the work Brooke did boxing out was huge for the Bucks and and making them an elite defensive rebounding team and they're not I don't think they're that anymore um, and Bobby Portis has stepped up and played well, but he just doesn't have that size. I just I don't think he's a, a true center, at least the, not in the way that Brooke Lopez is. And to make matters worse, they're just so thin at that position. So I think it's not a coincidence. The time they had DeMarcus Cousins, it was some of their you know best consistent basketball. 
it's not all about Boogie. They just need more big bodies. I mean, outside of Bobby and Giannis, it's like Sandro Mamukelashvili, who's a second-round pick, 54th overall, still a rookie on a two-way deal. He's not ready to play every night. So I think there's such a hole at that big man spot in the rotation with Brooke out, and it's been great to see Bobby step up and, and play more and play pretty well. But I just think they're so small, and it hurts them a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I think – I was on another pod this week and basically was asked point blank. Are we talking about the Bucks' struggles at all this year if Brooke is like pretty healthy? I just said, no, like, I don't think we are. I think they look much better. I think they're probably first in the East comfortably right now. Uh, they're getting through it without him. Hopefully he's going to be able to get back here around the all-star break. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely to me been, you know, the biggest part of the team's lack of success this year. Yeah, And I definitely do agree with that I, I do think a lot of uh the up and down play though that we've seen is kind of like I, sh I feel like they take nights off dude and like that Nuggets game is like a perfect example like I mean the Nuggets shot 60% from the field 50% from three it's just effort night in and night out and I think through an 82 game season especially for a team that doesn't have to prove anything I think that you do see occasions nightly and you know consistently where guys just aren't giving hundred percent effort. And the crazy thing is like Giannis gives hundred percent effort every single night. And you would expect everybody to follow, follow, fall in line as well when your best player plays like that. But we haven't seen that. And I do agree with you about Bobby Portis. Like one thing I have noticed this year about Bobby is kind of why he wasn't played in that net series last year is because defensively you're right, dude, he's not like a true rim protector like he doesn't do anything great defensively like you can't trust him to switch out on wings like he just gets burned so I have noticed that how do you think they're going to address that center position come trade deadline especially you know we don't even know the status of Brooke Lopez we can only guess you know how the Bucks are yeah I definitely do um so that, that's the big question right and I think the the only true answer right now is it depends like I think they should and hopefully will if if they expect Brooke to return somewhat soon. So I, I did the math on this today. There's only seven games until the All-Star break. So that's like a couple of weeks off. So basically, if they can get through the next seven games and Brooke is somewhat close, they can get him back with 20 games to go uh, starting like February 24th or something. It's the Nets game after the All-Star break. That's their first game back. So if they could just find someone to play some center minutes on this West Coast trip, and for the couple games after it, I think they wouldn't need to make a big trade acquisition. I think that's probably the biggest reason we're not hearing more about like Mo Bamba to the Bucks, or I mean, we're seeing it on Twitter, but like in terms of actual reports, because why would you, you know, they don't have many trade assets, right? It's like Dante, yeah. Jordan Wara, and second round picks. That's it. So you're probably going to get one real shot at this deadline you wouldn't use it on Mo Bamba if you think Brooke is going to come back and play well because they're both not going to play every night. Like we saw this, like when Brooke is healthy, they don't need a backup center. They had Robin Lopez, who everyone wants, two years ago. I think he played like nine playoff minutes or something. Like they just didn't need him. It didn't fit in the rotation. So I think it's really hard to tell, like say what they should do for sure because we just don't know enough about Brooke, but I think they should bring in insurance. Like I think a, a lower option, whether that's a buyout market, maybe they can get boogie back after the, the nuggets deal. If, if they don't sign him again. Um, but I, I think they probably could use either way, no matter what with Brooke, 
like the four, like the P.J. Tucker role. I don't know if they really have that. You know, Wes Matthews defends up, but he just doesn't have that much size, doesn't rebound very well because he's, you know, he's 6'4 or whatever. Um, so I think another four they'll probably need either way. But the five, it really just depends on, you know, what, what his outlook is like. And I know we just learned today, Thursday as we're recording this, that he's, he's going with them on the West Coast trip, but not necessarily to play to get a checkup because his surgery was done in L.A. So, you yeah. know, maybe they'll, they'll find out more and, and we'll get, you know, some sort of move at some point. But it, I think it really just depends because I don't think you want to use all your assets on a center if you don't expect that guy to play real playoff minutes for you. I agree. However, I do love the idea of Mobamba just because Mobamba yeah. is a very versatile five. Like he can also guard the perimeter. And I think having him and Giannis anchor that defense, I mean, that, that could be something very special, dude. Like you're talking no buckets at the rim, basically. And I think that could be interesting. Plus, you know, having, if you think about it, having to go in, up against in a series against the Sixers. That's where I look at like, all right, that's the one series where we need a big because we can't throw Giannis on Embiid all game. He's going to get tired out, foul trouble, et cetera. So just having big bodies to throw out there, I think is going to be huge. And I, I agree. I think they let Boogie Cousins go either A, because they have a good feeling Brooke Lopez is going to be back or B, they know something's going to come along either via trade or buyout market. But I do agree. I think leveraging a lot of assets for a big is kind of uh it's tough dude and you know me i'm i'm in the minority and on bucks twitter like i love dante divincenzo i think his intangibles defensively are special he does struggle finishing at the rim he isn't shooting the ball well but he's shooting better in the last week yeah so we're seeing that but you know i'd hate to give up dante especially because his contract is uh you know, he's going to be a restricted free agent so we can match any offer. And I can't see a team going out there and, you know, offering him 17 plus million a year. So I think that only bodes well better for the Bucks in the long run, too, because you can use him as a trade asset in the future, plus still be able to go over the luxury tax. Right. So I mean, it's tough, dude. It's tough. And I think as constructed, I think you would agree right now. I mean, getting through the East is going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because it's like the Bulls stock has fallen a little bit as they've gotten injured, and we'll see. Maybe they bounce back. Maybe they don't, um, but they're clearly good. I I don't think they would beat the Bucks in a series if Milwaukee is, no. is relatively healthy. I just don't think yeah. they can – I don't think they can hold Giannis enough. But um, but the the Nets seem to be falling apart, which is good news yeah. for, for Bucks fans. Um, there's just – um, James Harden clearly hates it there. He doesn't look right. Kyrie's only <laughs> playing half the time. Four points last uh, night, dude. Yeah, uh, KD's out. Um, which that's you know that's not on. That's just unfortunate. But um, they're big men. Like Lamarcus having a pretty good year, but do you trust Lamarcus to be able to defend in the playoffs? I don't. Blake hasn't no. really worked out. Joe Harris has just had an injury setback. Patty Mills has been really good, but you know is. I thought Patty Mills would have been an awesome buck. I wish wish they had gotten him. He's been really good in Brooklyn. I, am I afraid of Patty Mills? Maybe he swings a playoff game. I don't know if he swings a series, though. Um, yeah. So I, I think they're falling apart. But now Philly is coming on. I think that's a good point. That's why they really need some sort of center by the playoffs. Because, yeah, you don't want Bobby on him for a whole series. You don't want Giannis on him. Bud might – I mean, Bud put Wes Matthews on Jokic. He might put Wes Matthews on Embiid. I wouldn't love that either. Um, so they certainly need a big body, but Philly looks good. And especially if they do trade Simmons, 
and bring back some more actual players. They could be really good our playoffs. Yeah. So I, I do think the East is not going to be easy. The West, probably not either. I mean, there's a chance, a small chance, but a chance you have to go through Embiid and Jokic. I think the Nuggets uh, are looking to bring back Murray and potentially even Michael Porter Jr. So we'll see how healthy they get. If they could go on a run, I think that it's not impossible they win the conference. It'll probably be Phoenix. We know that's not going to be super easy. Uh, that's a, a yeah. very a great team. Um, so, yeah, I think the Bucks like, you, you either need to be able to get Lopez back and get him, if not 100%, like 80%. Or find another difference maker who's like a four and or five. Because I think right now, I'd, I'd be a little worried that they don't have enough um, at this point. What about like a Robert Covington? I don't know. I, I just I just feel like he's so overrated. He's okay. I think he helps. I don't know how much better he is than Pat Connaughton right now, to be honest with you. And I just, he's a little bigger, which is nice, but he doesn't shoot that well. So, you know, I, I think he's helpful. I, I don't know if he's going to be as important as PJ was last year, though. I don't know if he brings that much on or off the court like PJ did. So it'd be like, it'd be fine, but I, I wouldn't be super juiced about it. I mean, I think if our expectations are finding another PJ Tucker, we're going to be severely disappointed. Because, I mean, like you said, Probably. it's not just what he brought on the court. It was like the attitude that he brought to the locker room, like that dog mentality. But I do think that it kind of wore off on on the Bucks, and obviously Drew Holiday is arguably one of the best defenders in the game. Giannis is easily the best weak side defender in the game, and then Chris is no slouch mm -hmm. either. You know what I mean? But that brings yeah. up another point, dude. Are you worried at all about Chris Middleton because he's kind of been inconsistent the entire season? No, it's that's like his whole career. I, I just think that's that's who he is, um, for better and for worse, and that's why it's always funny that there's been like this, and it explains why there's been this divide on Chris between Bucks people, like the two, half the people who think he's, you know, a top 10 player or close. And the other half who think they have to trade him right now because he's no good is of course, as always with these things, the answer is somewhere in the middle. And I just think Chris is probably the best player in the league who will at times look like the worst player on the floor like every couple weeks and it happens it happens yeah. and i just think that's that's chris middleton and that's why really why getting drew was so important because drew is has this year especially just been so consistent and it just lessens the need for chris to be on every single night so you know with the miles between the olympics and and the playoff run last year and just how weird this season's been i'm not overly worried about chris Certainly not looking to trade him. Like I've seen some talk about that. That's crazy. Nah, that's You're crazy. Not, yeah. Nah. I mean, it's like what what team? Like I I always I've always said this. Like what team is like who, who's the consistent star wing? Who someone's giving you for Chris Middleton? Like if he's not like why would a team do that? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Not that I would want to trade Chris anyway, but you know, and I don't even know if I would want to do Bradley Beal for Chris anymore. Honestly, no, like, probably not. I'd rather just be consistent and and stick with the players who want it all, but. Yep. I just I don't think that guy is coming back anyway, and I wouldn't want to trade Chris. But um, I, I feel like I've seen enough to trust him in big moments when they really need him. There's certainly going to be some stinkers on the way. That's kind of always been Chris, but um, I'm I'm okay betting on him. I'm not too concerned yet. I think the season numbers are surprisingly still okay. It's like just about 25 and five, even though it feels like more like 14, three and three some nights. <laughs> dude, um, it's a, and it's so up and down, dude. It is. It is. But I'm just going to ride it out and, and, th and you know, give him some time. 
Uh, you know, they I think they're they're going to give him rest, obviously, over the All Star break. I doubt he's going to be named an All Star, um, and he's probably not going to play a ton of minutes in, over the rest of the season. So I just think I'll, I'll be I'll wait till playoffs to really get too concerned about Chris. Yeah, and I I definitely agree on that as well. I think you know that's who he's always been, and it just it just sucks because sometimes I feel like we're just missing that that Chris Middleton game to put us over the yeah. top. A big part of that is just because we're not playing as good as defense as we normally do. And again, I think that's an effort thing more than it is scheme or strategy. I, I know the Nuggets game, we there was some chatter about, you know, Giannis and Drew not being too thrilled with the way, the way they decided to guard Jokic. But again, in, in like a seven game series, obviously you're going to adjust. And we've seen, you know, Bud can make adjustments now. He's learned. He's learned to make yeah. in-series adjustments. So I'm not too concerned with all that, but we just need Chris to get back to being Chris a little bit more. Yeah. Is there uh, – I mean, only two games out of first place, the first seed. And for as inconsistent as the Bucks have played all year, does that give you more optimism? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I just think it's, it's nice that – uh, like again, so many of the teams in the East have struggled at one point or another, and no one's been able to pull away. Um, it's it's like half and half, you know. The, on the one hand, it's like it's great if they if they get it together and, and add somebody or get Brooke healthy. It's very conceivable that they end top two in the East just because of you know what's happening with all the other teams. On the other hand, though, that is the the split of having whatever it is six teams so close. There's a universe where, you know, maybe there's another injury setback or something with the Bucks and takes them even longer to get healthy and they finish in the bottom four. Uh, they won't be seven or eight, I don't think, but they finish fifth and, you know, they maybe, whatever, Cleveland, Miami is is hosting a first-round series. That's more, more Miami than Cleveland, but that's a little concerning. So, you know, it's good that they've hung around. I think it's really impressive given the lack of size and, and Brooks' absence, but it feels like everyone's just dealing with so much that, you know, I don't want to give too much of a pat on the back, like, uh, but instead of looking at it as like looking back, I think it's it's positive when you look ahead and go, yeah, there's certainly a path that they can finish with home court through most of the, at least the first round or the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. I think likely that the West will host the finals no matter what, but um, it certainly could be a lot worse based on some of the games we've seen this season. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a, a, a team that worries you? Because I, I, you know, circling back to the Bulls, I think more. I think the Bulls are kind of coming, falling back down to earth. I think they're playing like incredible basketball to begin the year. I mean, better than anybody expected. Obviously, injuries have a part with that, but I mean, I thought they were. I I personally predicted them to win forty two games this year because I just didn't think they had the depth. But Ao's been pretty good. They've been decent, but they don't scare me in a seven-game series. Cleveland definitely doesn't scare me in a seven-game series. They're very inexperienced. Um, really, the team that worries me the most is Philly, dude, because Jalone Beat is just playing remarkable basketball right now. Is there a team that concerns you, whether it's the Raptors because they have our number, Heat? Um, I think probably Heat most of all, although I, I'm just still skeptical that we're going to see that team fully healthy, which was kind of yeah. always my thing with them. Um, they've won more than I expected them to win already this season, mostly because, you know, some of these fairly anonymous guys like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent have played really well. But I think now they're kind of seeing some growing pains with having more guys healthy and trying to figure that out. And I think some of that comes because when Jimmy and Bam are out, it's really it's just Lowry and a bunch of shooting. And I think that's that's really that makes sense and it works really well for them. 
And when Bam and Jimmy are playing, they have a lot less spacing, and it just gets a lot harder to figure out. And, you know, Kawhi's just kept with all the love for him. Lowry's not shooting the ball very well anymore nope. or even scoring that well. Nope. And I just think, um, you know, their their biggest issue against the Bucks might not have changed, even though they're I think they are obviously better now. But they're starting five, especially if Brooke is back. Like, I think the Bucks will just be able to wall off the paint and kind of dare guys to shoot to a certain extent. Like, if you're the Bucks, what stops you against Bam, Jimmy, Lowry, and two other guys from saying, okay, Giannis and, and Brooke, you guys are guarding Bam and Jimmy. You're never leaving, like, a foot outside of the paint, right? You're always going to be around the restricted area because Jimmy doesn't want to shoot at all. Bam will shoot some mid-rangers, no threes. Lowry's not shooting that much. You probably have Drew on him. But I, I do think the Bucs, even if Miami, I think Miami will gum up the Bucs offense because they always do. But I, I think the Bucs probably can win. But I'm still a little fearful just because, you know, the P.J. Tucker wild card of him now shooting like 45% from three, like that is the kind <laughs> of wacky thing that could swing a series. Um, so I think that like just pure spite um, between the sweep and not not signing P.J., um, they're, they're a little scary. You know, I think Toronto is good. I don't think I think they'd bother the Bucs. I don't think they'd beat him in a, beat him in a series. Like at a certain point, I think the talent just wins out. Um, and now that, especially now that Scotty Barnes is back to earth, I think that was a little scarier. And the other thing with them is, like, are they going to last until the playoffs with the minutes loads on these dude, guys? Seriously, like, fifty six minutes the other night for their it's starters, insane. dude. And, and it, like Pascal just got back from injury, like maybe a month ago now, not just, but you know, missed a lot of time this year. And Fred, I, I love Fred Van Vliet. I think he's great. He's probably going to be a deserving All Star. Is it really great to grind an undersized point guard into the dust like that? Like, I don't know. I, I just I don't think they're playing a sustainable way, and I think. It kind of reminds me of the Bucks, not in necessarily the minutes loads, but you know they look good for some reasons in the regular season that probably won't translate to the playoffs. Like if everybody's playing only their good players for the whole game, the Toronto loses that edge of being the only team really doing that. So you know I think I think they and the Heat would bother the Bucks. I don't know how worried I am. Philly, I don't. It depends if they make a trade, maybe, but otherwise, no. It might just still be the Nets. You know, as low as I am on them. If they can just get those three guys to show up, and if Joe Harris makes some shots this year, I do think there's a chance they could just they could really from now, which is hilarious because they look like such a mess. They could okay. still win the title, and I, yeah, I don't think easily. I don't think it's I, I don't think it's likely anymore. Like I think it's I think there's a less than fifty percent chance that they win from right now, just because they're not happy, and I think that that does play a huge toll. And Harden doesn't look right, and Katie doesn't Katie's not playing. Kyrie's part-time, like there's a lot going against them, but conceivably they could solve a lot of those issues. And I still think if the Bucks play their best ball and are healthy, they're still probably the only team that I think can just be better, even if the Bucs are great. So and I think if the Bucs play to their best, they can beat anybody else. I think Brooklyn with that offensive talent is the one team that they still, they're always concerned to me just because if everything breaks right, you can do every single thing right and lose, which is tough. Yep. Dude, it almost happened in the playoffs. You know, we were an inch away yeah. from Katie's yeah. foot, dude. And, that, I mean, that's always yeah. a concern for sure. Um, I definitely agree with you on the Heat and the Raptors, though, without a doubt. And I think the interesting thing you mentioned, like you were talking about how the Bucks were before, like, you know, three years ago, twenty the 2018-19 season starting out when we, like, started to make our stamp on the East – you know, it's yeah. it's a crazy thing to see us transition because we were so good in the regular season. And as a as a better, 
you know, we were constantly beating the spreads. Like the books couldn't even keep up with us. Like we we're smashing everybody. Right. And then we get in the playoffs and we choke. And then last year we saw a fundamental change. You know, Giannis came out in the beginning of the year. He said, you know, the regular season doesn't mean anything. Like we're not going to be judged on the regular season anymore. We're going to be judging the playoffs. So that's where we want to be playing our best ball. And he, he made it a point every single night. We just need to get better. We need to get better. It's not about wins right now. We just need to build good habits, build good habits, build good habits. And I feel like that's the same thing this year, except I think that them winning the title kind of hurt them a little bit because they know what they're capable of doing and they could turn it on and off. And we see it, we see it like every game too. Like they'll be down by 10 and then eight minute mark in the fourth quarter, they start playing and they make it a game. It's like, why couldn't y'all do that in the third quarter? That's another thing. The third quarters are a, a big concern. It's terrible. Yeah. We're, we're the second to worst third quarter team in the in the league. The only team that's worse than us is the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny because I, I remember in, in years past, like, no, Bud's one of his, his things was like they would make such good halftime adjustments and, and come out strong in third quarters. But, you know, I, I think part of it is a lot of the time, and it's been really bad over the last few weeks. I think in the beginning of the season, they were okay. And then they've been terrible since. I, I just think they are – it's the effort thing is part of it. You know, a lot of games – a lot of those games, they're not, like, getting blown out the whole game and then more in the third quarter. It's like they have a 15-point lead and then they're tied going into the fourth quarter. So I think some of it is effort. I think some of it is some of these nights they just don't have enough scoring. And I think that's the real – maybe the worst part about Bobby having to start is if there's a guy out, like George Hill has been out last couple of games – uh, Grayson was obviously out for a little bit, so somebody else had to start for him. The bench, it's like Dante, who's just, you know, it's not, I'm not writing off his career for this, but this season has not been a consistent, efficient scorer, just coming back and, and getting his legs and, you know, the finishing, the shooting, it's just not consistent right now. It's just how it is. Pat Connaughton is a very nice player, and it would be helpful if he would score 12 and not seven, which it feels like he's been more around seven lately, but. You know, he's not a, a go-to scorer, right? Like, he's a, a role player. He finishes shots. He doesn't initiate. And it just feels yeah. like they don't have enough bench scoring. So whether, you know, and I haven't looked at how the minutes actually break down, but it just feels like, especially on the, the Chris nights, maybe an off night for Chris, you know, Drew will have those nights where he scores like 15, but has like nine assists or whatever. There's just, you, you just run into this problem of there's not enough points here. And I think for whatever reason, it's been rearing its head in the third quarter, whether that's, you know, the starters maybe playing a little more in the first half and trying to just like coast for a little bit in the third quarter and just get to the fourth quarter. Uh, or just, you know, it's just like maybe there's more energy exerted in the first half because there's less scorers. And then there's just a lull. And then, as you said, they get to the fourth quarter and they go, okay, let's, we have to really take this real serious now. Like, let's get back after <laughs> it. But, you know, I don't think it's like a strategy thing. I don't think they're like, inherently bad at third quarters i think it just kind of for whatever reason it's ended up being emblematic of all the stuff wrong with them and it's like this perfect storm of like all the bad things are combining for their third quarters to suck (laughs) that's a good way of put that's a great way of putting it so how do you think they they solve that bench scoring issue just another player i at least that, yeah, I mean, that would help a ton because then obviously, you know, take Bobby's however many points per game on the bench. I, and I also think, you know, they're lacking energy in some games. I think Bobby off the bench almost even adds more. I, I think yeah. him coming into a game a little later with 100% Bobby Portis energy 
against other other backup guys. I think that is like I think his true his perfect role in the Bucks. And obviously, if you're Bobby Portis or Bobby Portis's agent, you don't want to hear this, but it's probably a sixth man. I think that's his idealized role of like that's the scoring punch, the defense is minimized. I think it just makes a ton of sense. So I yes, I think that would help fix a lot of it. Um, but otherwise, I just think adding another player, um, just someone else who's going to consistently score because, I mean, I think we all expected one of Shemi Ojale or Rodney Hood to play every night. And, you know, not 15 points a game, but maybe seven, right, on solid shooting. And those guys just don't play. And I just think there's a gap in the forward spot that they could use another player who can reliably score. So I, I think they need to... He's on the roster, though. Who? Jordan Wara. He's just yeah. inconsistent defensively, I, and that's yeah, why Bud they, doesn't they, play him. And offensively is the issue. Like, yeah. Sometimes he takes some bad shots. <laughs> it's like the ability terrible shots. Shot. He doesn't have very good hands. I mean, I feel like half the time, like, they pass ahead to him in transition, and the ball just ends up out of bounds. And it's just like there's just all these little things that really add up. I mean, the defense is what everyone thought going into the year. But I think they, they've tried. I mean, it's people, I think, less and less the more the season goes. But, you know, people, I still will see sometimes upset on Twitter. Why doesn't Bud play war? It's so stupid. They've tried. They've given him opportunity. I mean, they kind of had to, but they have. And in extended minutes, he just, especially when most of the starters are healthy, he just hasn't contributed that positively. And I think it's... He struggles, I think, to play off ball and not just be like a shooter. I think his best games this year have been he takes 15 shots, and that's just not going to be the case when the Bucks are mostly healthy. So yeah. I, I just think for him, it's partially fitting in and just both ends inconsistency. Um, I really wonder if, if even if they don't acquire anyone big, if they end up moving Wara for something, just because we know what the tax situation is. If you sign him for five million a year, that comes out to something like fifteen million a year on the tax. Like, do the Bucks really want to pay fifteen million a year for a guy who's not playing this year of all years, who's been healthy all year? I don't think so. Uh, maybe yeah. they just keep him around to keep him around, but um, it's it's just hasn't really worked out. And I think honestly, not to talk for too long about Jordan Wara, but kind of reminds me of Christian Wood in a lot of ways, and 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 a little bit DJ Wilson, a little bit Sterling Brown. I think all of these guys. You know, they leave and find some success somewhere else. And fans are so upset. Like, why not here? All those guys had chances. To, Wood probably least of all. But all most of them at least had some chances to play with the Bucks. And it's hard to fit into good teams. It's a lot easier to look good when you have more team. role. And, yeah, nope. the Bucks just don't have that to give. And I, I think it's, it's kind of <laughs> silly to yell at the team for saying that. It's like, you know, was DJ – I mean, DJ Wilson is still not too much of a rotation player, but – you know, some guys just can't develop on on good teams when they're not playing a lot, and it's just yep. kind of the way it is. Yeah, it's a, interesting with Wara because you know, being out here in Vegas, I I went to a lot of the summer league action, and obviously, like he was the focal part of the team, um, and he struggled. But I mean, a lot of it was because like that summer league team was dog shit. Like it was a terrible built team. Like nobody yeah. could shoot on that team except for him, basically. Um, but one thing I, I noticed about him, I forget what game it was, but there was a game where Giannis passed him the ball and he took like a, a terrible contested three-point shot and then Giannis didn't pass him the ball the rest of the game, dude. Yeah, I remember that game too. He, <laughs> he refused. And that's like, that's kind of how war is. And like, I, I see a lot of people outside of um, the people that watch the Bucks are like, oh, why don't the Bucks play this guy? Like, he's a good player. It's like, dude, 
you guys don't see the inconsistency in his game. Like we want him to be good. Like he should be that guy that can come in and give you 12 to 15 points off the bench. But there's sometimes where he just needs to know his role and he doesn't. And he tries to do too much. And you got Giannis, you got Chris, you got Drew. Like those are the guys that should be initiating the offense because one of those three guys is going to be on the floor at all times. But Jordan Nora takes it out of their hands. And we saw it that one game. Like Giannis was like, all right, dude, I'm done with you. Like, <laughs> just go sit in the corner. <laughs> yeah, I think we had uh, we had Brad Fisher, who's the coach of the UWO uh, women's basketball team on the pod, just to talk like, like learn more about coaching and talk about coaching and, and just how coaches look at the game. And one thing he said that, that Rohan and I think of and talk about a lot is, and this wasn't necessarily about war, just in general, but it's, you know, everyone talks about, oh, Bud doesn't trust him, so that's why he doesn't play. And what Brad said is, like, it's a player thing as much as a coach thing. And, like, the players want to play with guys they can trust to be in the right spots, make the right cuts, the right passes, the right decisions. And, like, it's it's not just coach. It's not like, and again, this is all theoretical. We're not in the locker room. But right. Giannis, I think that example illustrates the point of, like, it's not like, I don't think Giannis and Chris and Drew are begging, like, we need Wara out there more. Who knows what they're saying? Maybe they are. We, we don't know. But based on that Giannis, that game, it was very blatant. Like, he would be wide open, no one covering him on the perimeter, and Giannis just ignores him and passes the ball somewhere else. Like, especially the Bucks, a team who's been together for a few years in this construct now. And Giannis is know, a guy they, that loves to pass, too. It's not like he – Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that was very clear. You know, like yeah, he was upset with him, and that was his way of showing him. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think you'll see him throw passes to to vets or guys who aren't that aren't wide open or guys who aren't even as good a, a, at at a specific shot, just because like they're in the right spot, and that's the kind of that's what Giannis wants to do. I mean, he's talked about this, especially earlier in games this year. Like he wants to play make more and get the rest of the team going. And that's why it was so striking the way he didn't pass to Wara. But yeah, I mean, you'll see he'll find Dante cutting and, and we all know that's an adventure um, or <laughs> like he was passing to Shemi when Shemi was actually playing and we know he couldn't hit a shot, but like, you know, if he's filling the right spots and, and defending hard, then the ball's going to come to him. That's, that's, that's what the Bucks strive to do. And yeah, I just think it's, it's one of those where uh, so far war has been unable to fit into the team smoothly enough and, and, you know, the shooting's been, I think, pretty good this year after a slow start, but all the other stuff, it 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 doesn't make up for it. You know, the shooting doesn't make up for all the other stuff, I should say. Yeah, 38% from three, uh, 41% oh, okay, from the so field. Fell off again. Yeah. But, I mean, still, 38% is respectable from three, you know what I mean? Like, that's oh, an above average. Oh, you said 30. Oh, yeah, 38. Yeah, 38. Yeah. That's above average, yeah. you know what I mean? So, it's definitely that other stuff that, that's happening with them. Yeah. All right. I, I want to get you out of here. But before I do, I know you're a Saints fan. You guys lost Sean Payton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lost Sean Payton. <laughs> um, what do you expect from your Saints this year, man? Because last week on the pod, I, I, I had a big discussion about Sean Payton and what I think is going to happen with him. You think he's going to the Cowboys after a year? I don't. I don't. Oh, I think good. he's, I, I I think he's going to be the next uh, Los Angeles Chargers head coach. Oh, ooh, that'd be kind of fun. Um, I, I think he's probably going to do TV for like a year or two. Uh, yep. I guess I think he'll get pulled back in. I, I think with him, and I'll talk about, you know, what I think about the Saints, but um, I bet it's going to be a Gruden thing, I think. I, I think he's not going to go back unless 
there's a team that's willing to give him like all of the control. And even if there's like a GM, the GM reports to him, like the same Mayock Gruden arrangement. Um, and I think the team that does it's probably going to be pretty smart because he does some bad, some dumb stuff as a, I mean, we're, we're, we'll assume he had most player control in New Orleans. I mean, Mickey Loomis has been there for a million years too, but I think Sean was calling the shots most likely. Um, you know, the cap sucked or whatever. Who cares about that? Like they won every year. They figured it out. They, he's a very good coach. I think there's so few coaches that are clearly like they're going to get the most out of a roster and especially an offense every single year that it's worth giving him the control, even if he's going to light the cap sheet on fire. Like you're going to win more games. I think, you know, yep. he's going to make your offense really good, especially like the Chargers with Herbert. Like I think he'd make them exceptional. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be rough, dude. Like I hope they hire Brian Flores. I think that'd be awesome. I think he's a good coach. I think it'd be, it would send the right message. I think it, it would be a cool way to kind of take the franchise forward um, quickly um that's what i'm hoping for right now but i'm I'm expecting that there to be a rough couple of years here because i don't think they have a franchise quarterback um Jameis is okay I, I think outside of sean payton i don't know how good he would look in new orleans if he even comes back um Taysom stinks like <laughs> the taste of like, linebacker so fun. but he's a he's a good gadget player right like it's yeah, useful to have a guy who can do that stuff but then like they paid him all this money and talked about making him the franchise quarterback and it's like no dude like the Taysom Hill thing was it's a great advantage if your backup quarterback do other stuff because then like you yep. can kind of free up a roster spot and do some fun plays and, and they just got ridiculous with it but you know I, I just think they're they're losing so much talent we'll see what happens with Michael Thomas now um I, I think it's going to be tough um I think Sean covered up for a lot of holes both after Breeze and in the last few Breeze seasons when he, he really had a true noodle arm. Yeah. Um, so I think they're, they're for, I, I don't, I don't mind if they rebuild. I don't have, I don't mind if they have some painful seasons. Like I don't expect anything from Ian book. I don't think he's any good. Hopefully probably not. Um, but I think like rebuild the right way and you just got, they have to find the person. So like, if I like the coaching hire, they could go one and fifth, one and 16 now two years in a row and I wouldn't even be that mad, but I do think they're going to need to reset. Like, I don't think yep. they can continue to retool. Like I didn't even know if they could with Sean Payton, but especially without him, like the roster is, it's either like really unproven guys or like some of these older vets who were around the last time they were good. And like, how long are they going to be good? You know, how expensive are they going to be? So I kind of hope they tear it down to the studs. I don't know. Sports fan usually says that, but I just don't see a way for them to just continue to be like, a nine win team as is well the nfl is so like uh so much parody like you you can really be yeah. terrible one year and be great the next year but here yeah. here are my sean payton theory dude because i i think it's yeah. a great theory dude so i i definitely think he saw the writing on the wall the cap situation the team getting older doesn't have a good quarterback and i think he's like yeah. you know what dude i've been here 16 years and i'm not going to go through another rebuild I'm going to take this $8 million to be on TV for a year. And I think there's two really great jobs that may be open next year with two great quarterbacks. That's the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray and the Chargers Ooh. with uh, with Herbert. And that's a perfect situation because you're 100% right, dude. Sean Payton, if Bill Belichick is the defensive guru, Sean Payton is the offensive guru. Like, he yeah. will get the best out of everyone. And if you give him a, a very talented quarterback, I mean, dude, the sky's the limit for that offense right yeah and he's gonna he's obviously gonna have his choice he's gonna be the hottest coach i mean 
if he wanted a job right now, he would be the first coach on everybody's list. You know what I mean? But for I don't sure. think that job is out there. And I definitely don't think he wants to work for Jerry Jones, dude, because you talked about getting a lot of control. I don't think Jerry Jones is that guy that's going to even allow that. He didn't allow it with Bill Parcells and Parcells walked, you know? So yeah. he's going to sit out a year. And then I definitely think, you know, if shit goes south for the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury's gone. It's his last year of his contract. And then if Staley, yeah. you know, if he continues to make dumbass decisions like he did this year, I mean, he cost his team like four games, dude. And I was ultimately yeah. the playoffs. I definitely think the Chargers cut bait and get and offer him the job. I, I still, I think, I think he's going to play hardball with the Cowboys because I, I still think there's some ties there. He used to work yep. there. And, he lives and I think there they too. Flirted with him. He lives there and they flirted with him a couple years ago uh, when Breeze was still playing and he came back to the Saints. I think he might get just enough control from Jerry. Um, but I think the real question will be like, what kind of a bag would Jerry throw for maintaining a little bit of control, right? Like, I don't know if it's about money for Sean, but it's the Dallas Cowboys. And I think, I, I think even though that, that issue is probably there, I think if there's any, like, if, like this is the caliber of coach where maybe Jerry would finally concede, truly concede more. And I think Sean probably would like to coach there eventually. Uh, I would yeah. hate, I would not like it. Cause I just, I know how long they've wanted him, but I mean, I'm not even that max. It's like, it was the end of an era. I, I get if he doesn't want to rebuild. I mean, it's literally exactly, it's different. He never won there, but that's what Bud did with Atlanta, right? Like yeah. Bud was there with Atlanta. He built them up. They were great. The team fell apart and he was like, I don't want to do this. And they were like, yeah, that makes sense. Go, go win somewhere. So, you know, I'd prefer him probably to go to the AFC, but it doesn't matter too much to me. Um, but I, I won't count out the Cowboys. I think there's something there. Um, I, I do think I do. Part of me does think if he Peyton wanted another job right now, maybe McCarthy is out. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch, but, uh, we'll see how the Cowboys do next year. But I think like that team, they just have so much talent on both ends. And I think that offense would be crazy with Sean. Like Dak is the kind of guy who needs someone like that. Like Kyler and Herbert can look special anyway. Dak would look really good in a Sean Payton offense. Like I think he would play the breeze role really well. So that, that would be potent if they did, if they, if it did work out, but I definitely see what you mean about Jerry Jones and, and that issue. I always think, I always tell myself, like, I'm not a Cowboys fan by any stretch, but I'm always like, all right, well, Jerry's like 90 years old now. Like now is going to be the year where he's just going to shut up and let other people do their jobs. But every year it's like, Oh, never happens. Nope. <laughs> doesn't happen so that's the only reason why i keep leaning sean payton away from um dallas yeah ty man thank you for joining me it was awesome definitely want to get you back on as we get closer to the playoffs for sure i'm definitely in the playoffs make sure to go follow him at ty windish right at yep t-i-w-i-n-d-i-s-c-h great follow you got to see I, I hey, you. I'm out here. Great follow <laughs> on Twitter, though, for real, especially if you love Bucks basketball, NBA basketball. He knows his shit and is always on it. And also check out Yairo Step, dude, with him and Rohan. It's a great Bucks podcast. They cover everything uh, Milwaukee Bucks. So thank you again, brother. Definitely going to tap in with you soon for sure. Sounds great, man. Can't wait. Thank you so much for having me and, and all the kind words. And, you know, if you listen to this podcast, 
Make sure to go give five stars on Apple to this pod. And then if you feel like it, you know, head over to the Eurostep Podcast Network. Do the same. We'd appreciate it. Um, but make sure to subscribe and, and give five stars to, to, the, to this show, too, because it really it helps. It helps us podcasters grow, man. It's very appreciated. That's true. I always forget to tell people to rate and review the podcast. Gotta tell people. <laughs> I always forget. I'm too worried about talking sports, dude. And just everything just goes out the window. Yeah. But thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I will be talking to you soon. All right. Big thank you to T Winnish for coming on the show and talking some Bucks basketball. I'm big Bucks fan. So uh, we've been talking about doing, doing, uh, getting him on for a while. And we were finally able to do it. So thank you, T. Make sure to go follow him at T I W I N D I S C H at Twitter. You can follow me at Jordan Rules TSP. Catch us on, catch me on APR with big ball and ben larson steady eddie martin uh friday morning and then catch me on taproom sports podcast with big ball and ben larson that'll be dropping monday morning we got a lot to talk about uh regarding the super bowl maybe a pro bowl recap halfway through the nhl season we got a ton of ton of more sports news to talk about so it's tapping thank y'all for joining me i'll see y'all next week in the game in the game.